welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host today, Joe Boris, and I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about an article that we published last month, and it said, deleting your period tracker, don't forget that your EV tracks you too. And, and that was an article that came out as a response to the Roe v. Wade ruling from the Supreme Court, and it was a really well-written article talking about how your EV also tracks your your data, tracks your information, it tracks where you're going, what you're doing, in many cases, what you're paying for. And, you know, we started talking a little bit about some of the biometric data that was going up and down the automotive feed with some people in the comments. So that was a lot of big, heavy lifting, a lot of big brain stuff. So I said, who do I know that has a big brain that knows all about this data trusting issues. And I thought my good buddy, Tim Hayden over at brain trust partners, and he was kind enough to be with us today. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. No, thanks for having me. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, people, people, I would say in passing, talk about big data, right. And there's a whole lot of it. And there's a whole lot of it that's just passing in every different direction. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it today. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you listening in, Tim and I, we, I wouldn't say we go way back, but we've known each other for a couple of years now. We've done a lot of uh, kind of fun projects together in Austin and LA and, and things of that nature. But I, I, I kind of want to give a little bit of a background of who you are. You know, we mentioned this conversation about big data and there are some big players in big data. And, you know, I, I don't know to what extent you can speak to some of the companies that you've worked with as far as setting up data lakes and understanding how you can use the data that's being gathered to kind of market to the right people and identify trends going forward. But I'll give you a minute to do that and then we'll get back to the topic. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, we work across a number of verticals, Joe. We've we've had McDonald's as a client, Walmart as a client, but also small regional banks and car dealerships. We've, we've got a no number of, I would call them mid-cap, you know, companies that do half a billion to a, a billion in revenue, but they're not on a fortune list, right? That are all in the same situation right now, that they're looking at the fact that the last 15 years, they've tried to digitize the business to keep up with the speed of the customer. I mean, that's what the investment has been made for and up against. And honestly, as they've done that, they have built massive stacks of technology. Some of those companies I mentioned obviously are, are very large, but as they build these massive stacks of technology, they need to be able to connect all of them together. They need to have that single source of truth on who the customer is. And that's, and that's what we do at Braintrust is we usually take a, a period of 90 to 120 days, sometimes shorter in smaller organizations, to understand what systems are being used, what tools are they using from a technology standpoint. And you know, there's marketing automation systems, there's CRM systems, there's mobile app management systems. And to the point we'll talk about today, there's the connected home and the connected vehicle, which over the last two years has really accelerated. And, and what companies are trying to do is make sure that 
they are making it as easy as possible for them to, sure, reach customers, to sell more goods, to engage those customers, but also for the customers as, as easy as possible and as frictionlessly as possible to be able to access points of commerce and points of content. And it's a, it's something that is, as you know, in the automotive industry, there's a tremendous amount of change and a, and a high velocity of that change that's happening in the marketplace today. And of course, what is the common thread between all of it? Data. Yeah, I, I think that, that was incredibly well put. So, you know, the, the first things first, what, what got us talking about this was this article that Jennifer had written about the, you know, about the connected car and what kind of different information came through. And I asked you the question, you know, kind of very straightforward. Do you think that some of that biometric data that's coming through the smartwatches, that's being recorded on the phone, that's connected to the infotainment system and goes up and down, you know, to the satellites, to the automotive, you know, to the, to the car company, basically, you know, and I asked the question very innocently, you know, do you really think that that's a concern that is that data really going there? And, you know, I, I think your response was, yeah, absolutely. They're getting that data. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're talking about vehicles and a great majority of the vehicles that have been sold since 2017 are connected to the internet all the time. And that's via satellite connection. For the most part, in recent history, we've seen more and more late model vehicles that when you get home or to your place of work, the vehicle can pair with the Wi-Fi system, right? Yeah. In in the in the grand scheme of things, that's meant to update firmware. That's meant to basically digitally maintain the vehicle. But at the same time, something you have you and I've talked about a couple of times, really, is the fact that my phone is plugged in, tethered via Bluetooth or via a wire, you know, via a cord that goes from my phone to the onboard system of the car and the infotainment system that's in that car, CarPlay, Android Auto. A lot of the things that was a lot of that, which was territory of the OEMs or BlackBerry for a long time for the OEMs who was doing everything they could to secure that information. But what's happened is, as we have everything going through our smartphone, and that is our smartwatches and our diabetes, our wearable diabetes tags that we wear now that monitor right. blood I sugar levels. I hadn't thought of that exactly. Right. You know, and and many different apps that we use for healthcare, wellness, tracking how much water we drink, and how many steps we take, what's our heart rate, all these things. They all go through the phone. And then there's there's in the case of Apple and and Google, there's health apps that that they themselves come preloaded on those devices. Well, as that data is swimming through the pipes of the vehicle, there is always this situation where some of that biometric data will go there as well. And this was a simple thing that I believe OEMs wanted to do to better understand their customers. What apps are they using? What, uh, you know, what else do they do mm -hmm. to be able to model their behavior and how are they using the vehicle? But unfortunately, what that's it's equated to is a situation where there's a whole lot of our personal data and our personal behavioral data that's going in that direction that really has nothing to do with maintenance of the vehicle, has nothing to do with the, the livelihood of that vehicle. 
So there's two ways to look at this, right? There's the alarmist way to look at things, which, you know, you know, I'm really good at, like they know everything. They know how many French (laughs) fries I'm eating at Taco Bell, you know, which which is like, they do have nacho fries. People keep it out of the comments. It's a real thing. (laughs) You'll find it. They're amazing. Your body will thank you. Not, Not your heart and lungs, but the rest of it. And then the other question, you know, the other point of view is like, this idea of, you know, having a tailored experience everywhere you go, where every time you go into a new area, they're going to show you restaurants and clothing stores and things that you will have interest in that will appeal to you because you have given them that data and they know you. You know, when I, you know, I was in Boston over the weekend with some, some family stuff. And as soon as I landed, I was in the town, I was starting to get ads for places that looked really great. And I never would have found these places on my own because how am I going to, you know, how am I going to Google that? Right. So it is kind of a double-edged sword that we can enjoy the parts of a city or a new town or a new experience in in a better way, in a more kind of, you know, I I hate to be the word consumer friendly way, but in a way that is friendly to the consumers. But at the same time, we are giving up what seems to be a lot of ourselves. Like we are sharing a lot of information that, you know, maybe we don't want to, is there in, I mean, and, and this is kind of a, a, a nuanced question, right? <clears throat> do you feel like the pros for the consumer outweigh the cons or, or do you think that the, the, the kind of the negative angle of this has been overblown? Well, I, I don't think it's been overblown. I mean, I think, you know, most folks in the engineering world, software developers, they build to spec, right? They need to know that things work. And it's an afterthought or it's a not a thought at all for them to really be concerned about privacy. Security is a different ball of wax, right? I mean, they, they have to worry about cybersecurity. They have to worry about interoperability. They have to worry about interference because so much of what's on the vehicle that is connected and reporting on the health of the vehicle is done so by Bluetooth or or other types of wireless technology. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there's there's two things I want you to, us to really look at here. And one is Apple has, they started with iOS 14, 14.5, where if you carry an iPhone, you remember updating your phone to 14.5. And then all of a sudden your phone and your Apple TV, your iPad, everything would start to tell you as you used apps, that you had a choice on whether or not you'd want that app to track you across other apps. And as you bounce between the app and email or app and web or any any combination thereof, right? Well, that's fantastic what Apple's doing and, and Google's doing something similar. Samsung has got a privacy console on their Galaxy phones now that allows you to do something very similar. And I think that the smartphone purveyors of the world are actually the ones that are, are are looking at this probably the closest right now. But let me tell you the other side of the story is Apple, just two weeks ago, they very softly and probably unwillingly let the world know that they're building their own demand side plat- platform, demand side platform, a DSP, meaning that they're building their own advertising network which isn't hard to really fathom when you consider that about half the world is carrying an iPhone 
And with that, they have other Apple products in their homes and at the, at work. And then they may have Apple Home. They may be watching television through Apple TV. And at the Worldwide Developer Conference this year, Apple announced that CarPlay was no longer an infotainment solution, but a total operating system for the vehicle. Well, Google's doing the same thing. They're going to deprecate the third-party cookie. They're going to stop supporting tracking of third-party non-Google trackers on the internet sometime in 2024. They keep moving the goalposts back on that. Mm -hmm. Well, I live in a house here in central Austin where they've dug up the streets three years ago, laid fiber through the neighborhood, and then six months later, got a good number of me and my neighbors to switch over to Google Fiber, which means I may be watching Apple TV, but it swims through a Google pipe as it leaves the house or as it comes into the house. So now Google knows everything about me. And what did Google just announce with Volvo, right? Was oh, that yeah, the, the, yep. the entire 2023 fleet, not only excitingly, is it going to be your right size fit of electrification, but it is also going to be Google, the operating system, not Android Auto on that vehicle. So what these companies are doing is they're basically building for themselves additional revenue through advertising. And I think the responsible thing that we're talking about here is how will with that interconnectivity within the, the Apple ecosystem or the Google ecosystem, where do they draw the lines? Where do they do that in terms of us being able to self-select what we want shared and what we don't want shared? And, and what will they just automatically opt us into in terms of what is swimming through the vehicle, the home, and our phones? Are you a problem solver? Wetzilla has been at the forefront of engineering innovation since 1834. Today, our next generation of leaders design and provide the tools to integrate and manage power grids that combine renewables with flexibility solutions, traditional thermal assets, and energy storage. No matter the size or location, we're a team championing the problem solvers of our future. We use the power of collaboration and co-creation to make a difference. Visit storage.wordzilla.com forward slash careers to learn more today. It, it's it seems like a scary thought. It seems like an idea where, you know, when I, when I was a kid growing up and, and you and I are of the same era, we used to read 1984 in school and big brother is always watching you. And you know, all that stuff that Orwell was writing about, it doesn't hold a candle to any of this stuff. Like they know us inside and out. They know, you know, what potato chips we prefer, you know, and when to market to us at that point, you know, and I think the question I keep coming back to is like, should I be scared of this? Should should any of us be scared of this? Or are are we in a scenario where a lot of engineers, a lot of data scientists, a lot of really bright people are going to be able to use this data, this real in-depth data to be able to build better cities, to be able to build cleaner vehicles, to be able to, you know, you made the comment of that, you know, Volvo has that right size electrification solution, which, you know, is a hybrid for some people, a PHEV for others and a pure electric for others, depending on how it meets the needs of, of your daily life. Right. You know, are we going to start to see 
you know, cities that are that are better equipped to handle e-mobility solutions like e-bikes, like electric scooters, like EVTOL, you know, when once those rotary aircraft do come online in a big way in the US, the way they have already in China and Korea. Right. Are, you know, are we going to be able to then stand on that data and say, look, the market is ready. This is the right way to do this. And it's going to be more efficient. Like, are are we are we scaring ourselves, you know, for nothing, basically? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I believe when we the, the aforementioned brands are going to do everything they can to get this right. And to to the list that you just went down. They understand for them to be competitive, they have to be great partners. They have to be fantastic alliances and there have to be fantastic alliances in place. So back what I said about interoperability, right? We, we already see this with Tesla as an example, right? They've made the statement, not necessarily a promise, but, but a commitment, they say, to make sure that their supercharging stations will work with cars other than Tesla's at some point at the end of this year or the very early part of next year. The same thing will have to take place with everything else we're discussing here with the builders, with the folks that are involved with infrastructure, those that are involved with policymaking in terms of how fast we roll things out safely and securely. So I've got great confidence that they will do that. I just think that what's important right now for folks to understand is that the odds are if you're using a Samsung Galaxy or an iPhone, which is, you know, 80, 88% of the smartphone market right now, if you're using those devices, capitalize on those opportunities to not share so much and to not allow the apps on your devices to be able to track your every move. You can do that pretty easy. We've already all been doing that with browsers for five plus years with ad blockers. And I think the same opportunity you have right we, now. We don't we don't want to let our readers know about ad blockers. So shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you make a really good analyst on how to block an ad. But... Yeah, no, keep going, keep going. Move this one along. Yeah. You know, you make a really good point there about there's a lot of these companies that are are really we can trust them to get it right. You know, one of the things that came out over the last couple of days, there was an article in time that essentially says that Elon Musk very knowingly, you know, promoted these benefits of this hyperloop system to Southern California, to Las Vegas, to funnel money away from a light rail or a public transit system effectively to sell more of his cars. And very similar allegations were made against General Motors in the 1950s when they shut down the electric trolley car programs in California and things like that, effectively lobbying to to sell more more cars and and trucks to those people. You know, so it kind of does come back to maybe a little less fear mongery than the initial article, which is a Roe v. Wade thing and people being tracked going over state lines and, you know, being put in jail for things. But this is still kind of worth noticing that people can look at that data and see kind of, you know, uh, maybe read the tea leaves and see that the future isn't going in a way that is going to be beneficial to their bottom line. And they can then start using that data in a malicious way. Do you think that that's something we really need to worry about? Or do you think that the good actors are going to outweigh the bad here? Well, I mean, I, I, I always believe 
good wins over bad ultimately <laughs> I, right? I, I didn't mean to turn this into a philosophical conversation yeah. but here yeah. we are <laughs> but here we are here we are no i think i i think we're going to learn a whole lot about who who is in our best interests and in in really by bringing new wares new vehicles new consumer electronics to market new media to market and and we we must you know we must be diligent and we must be vigilant in terms of how we subscribe ensuring that we do not oversubscribe ensuring that we that we ourselves are not you know basically making what could be a problem a definite problem so i think there's there's huge opportunities for and, and again i look at apple especially just over the last three to four years. I think Tim Cook has done a fantastic job putting on a white hat. If you go to privacy.apple.com and you're an Apple user, you put in your Apple ID and your password, you can go in there and you can see your data. You can update your data, correct it. You can ask them to delete it. You know, there's, there's, that's giving the customer control is, is where this is going. And honestly, something I know you know a thing or two about this is all the precursor to blockchain. And, and what blockchain does is it refines the signal. It basically becomes a more secure way for information to be stored and exchanged on the internet and not just commerce. This is not a, 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 this is not a story about crypto cur- cryptocurrency. This is a story about the, the fidelity of our, our digital signals improving over time. So I I know you may have something to add to that, Joe, but that's <laughs> that's but that's where this is going. Yeah, right? if, it is where this is going. A hundred percent. If Apple's going to insulate themselves, right? If they're going to build their own advertising network in a world where you're driving the Apple operating system vehicle, you're watching Apple TV, you're carrying an iPhone, you've got a you've got an Apple Watch. You you know if if that's the case, then blockchain is the next thing. It is the thing that I think will come about and make things leaner and meaner from an operation and efficiency standpoint for a company like Apple, but also give us some surety, right? And this is where I'm trying to say is rest easy, y'all, because <laughs> uh, because at the end of this, this, this hard turn we're making with digital transformation, right? With digitization and... And, and moving to the distributed ledger that is blockchain. This is this is a good thing where we're headed. I do believe so. You know, it, it's funny because it, now we're getting into topics like, you know, not to single one out out of the many that are out there, but one that I really like called proof of humanity, where effectively yes. you have a blockchain ID and that becomes you and nobody can really interact with that except you. And it can't, be uh roboticized and and made into this thing so definitely something we're gonna that um i think is huge and i think the 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 thing that rings out of this is you know i may not trust anyone but i do trust everyone which is that kind of blockchain analogy there it's so funny because i really want to go down this road with you but what i was trying to get you to talk about was the fact that, you know, we were talking about the data and right-sizing things and right-sizing the transportation needs of a city. 
and and the angle that I was hoping we were going to talk about was the fact that you don't own a car. You're oh. you do you do all your e mobility getting around Austin and getting around. I mean, we were in Houston not too long ago, and you were using the same kind of you know the same kind of mobility apps to to really live that life of mobility as a service. But I think even that has a blockchain angle to it because you can really you know, kind of lock down and, and secure what you're using, how you're using it, and make sure that there's that fidelity of transaction and that fidelity of experience that is, that is a part of that. So I'm not really sure where we go from here based on that, but I think we're, we're certainly in a much more interesting place than I thought we were going to be. No, no, I think that's, um, uh, I, you know, I love, I, I love the multimodal life, right? Oh, what a great um, line. I love the multimodal life. Well, you know, I mean, um, uh, a lot of people may think because I live in Texas, how do how do you live without a car? Right. Truth is, my wife and I split a car and she drives it about 90 percent of the time. I I take the train. I ride the bus. I ride my bicycle. I use Uber and Lyft. We've got, uh, you know, half a dozen startups here in Austin alone with fleets of Teslas and fleets of e-bikes and all kinds oh, of Oh yeah, things. you do. And then we have yeah. our 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 common friend Jules that's now doing tours, kind of uh touristy tours of I mean what other kind of tours are there of Austin that's on, right. on the e-bike. So yeah, that, this that's is right. all that's all good stuff. So so she's you know, just with that in that situation, she's she's diversifying revenue, right? She's she's looking at new ways to capitalize on on what they have with Zugo bike. But I I think at the end of the day. I love the freedom that I have between Turo, Lyft, and Uber, and get around and share. And, you know, the I get to drive what I need to drive and what I want to drive whenever I, whenever and wherever I am. Right. Right. You're never um, taking that three quarter ton diesel to pick up a gallon of milk. You've got the right size solution for the right problem. And there's nothing wrong with a three-quarter ton diesel. But, oh, uh, absolutely uh, yeah. not. If you're hauling but, an RV or a horse trailer, 100%. If you're no, hauling like, a load of sailboat fuel down to the mini mart, I think that maybe that's overkill, right? I do. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'll, but I'll just say is just, you know, when you when you think about, we, we use the term right size talking about Volvo earlier, but that's, yes. that's what multimodalism is all about, is you right size your investment in mobility. and and with that, I mean, people would like to challenge me on that. And I say, well, just take your current car payment and double it, probably plus 20% right now because of fuel prices. That's what your cost of ownership is for that vehicle. The beautiful thing about EVs, obviously, is it takes us in a direction where some of that cost of ownership starts to dissipate because we don't have the same maintenance, right? And the right. car is ultimately safer because of how it's outfitted with sensors and how it will help us from avoiding accidents, right? And collisions. Well, that's but, a um, really great point also, because a lot of this data that we're talking about is data of how the car is being used. And not only that, but how the car needs to be built because it, that data is being fed back to the engineers who are seeing, okay, we need to build 10 millimeter brake pads instead of eight because people aren't taking them in and getting them done when we want them to, they're doing it when they want to. So th that's a really excellent point about how maintenance and data come together to not only reduce the overall cost of ownership, but also increase the safety of the consumer. That's, that's right. That's a great point there. That's right, brother. 
That's exactly, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just it. I mean, and, and let's just, I mean, it, it, this isn't theoretical by any means, but the promise of technology all this time has been to help us live a better life, right? To help us live a life where we stop doing some of the mundane and stressful things in life. And we have more frictionless access to the information we need and want and to commerce and to the, to the life that we, that we, we desire. So to me, where, where we're going with, with cars and, and mobility altogether, you know, uh, e-mobility is, is just as much about micro mobility or two-wheeled mobility or just not four-wheeled mobility as it is the four-wheeled mobility. And I think there's monster opportunities for technology for the rest of our life to be integrated and somehow aligned with what we're investing in and what we're using for just to get from point A to point B. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Tim, I know we're, we're coming kind of to the end of our timed contract here that we have allotted. I want to thank you 100% for, for coming on this show with us. And I do want to invite you again, you know, Zachary Shahan, who's who's the the CEO of Clean Technica, who, who really runs the show here. He actually has a... Um, he has a, a master's degree, postgraduate education in city planning and talking about this right size mobility thing. Yes. And I, I'd love to do a round table with you and him on that and how the the data that we're uh, you know getting from all these vehicles can help inform those decisions in those city municipal levels. We'll get Diane Martinez on here, another mutual friend of ours, and uh, we'll, we'll make a real good round table talk of that. But before we get to that, how can people who are listening to the show follow along with what you're doing, learn more about what you're doing? and uh, kind of, you know, be a part of the Tim Hayden universe here? Well, there's our website, which is braintrust.partners. It is just as it sounds, one word, braintrust.partners. I'm also on Twitter, yeah. the Tim Hayden. You don't have uh, much of a TikTok presence, I imagine. I don't have <laughs> much of a TikTok presence. I, uh, I I just don't have time for it. I enjoy it. I love it when friends send me funny TikToks. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have time. Uh, I don't have... An, you know, an additional 30 minutes in the day to watch <laughs> to another feed. Happen. Right, exactly. That. Yeah. All right, guys, you know, following along, obviously Brain Trust Partners with Tim Hayden. He's such a smart guy. And I, I just, I never feel like I ask him the right questions because he's so much smarter than we are. But at the end of the day, obviously follow along with us, Clean Technica on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we now have Clean Tech Talk, which is T-O-K. That was kind of the, uh, the feed in that we're going to be doing our own TikTok stuff. It's probably going to be Brandon and Tyler. I have no interest, but we'll see. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.